Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu/visit. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Dan, um, regular contributor from West Bromwich Albion. Um, you can find me at Baggies Facts. Awesome, and in case you were waiting for more names, it's not going to happen. It's just me and Dan here for this Valentine's Day special, where some guests that were scheduled forgot it was Valentine's Day and then disappeared, but that is understandable. Uh, we're just going to start off with making the rounds as we usually do. Uh, so, Dan, what's been going on at West Brom, aside from a terrific 1-0 victory over Everton? Um, well, you would say terrific. I mean, if you just picked up the papers and looked at an Albion 1-0 win, you'd probably think, you know, we're a great, great victory for the Baggies, you know, without realising how we actually managed to, to grab a victory. Um, there's been a, a lot of pressure on Tony Pulis, as I've talked about in recent weeks. Um, I think the fans are getting a bit frustrated with the whole defensive attitude and the lack of results coming from that and the, the lack of shots on target. Um, on the on the way home on the on the train yesterday, um, we were singing. We had a shot. We had a shot. We had a <laughs> shot. Um, which just sums up everything about us at the minute. We just we're lacking in any creativity. Um, Morrison's been out. Um, who 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 is he's been a, a big miss for us really. Um, and then you're over-relying on Sessignon to do the damage for us on the right-hand side, and he's having to track back a lot as well. Um, so it, it has been a struggle of late. Um, and I think Pulis knew the only way we were going to be able to get to Everton, who are an extremely attacking side, whether or not they get wins or not is a different matter, but they do like to, to you know take the game to the opponent regardless. Um, the only way we was going to go there and get a win was to to sit back and defend, and we actually managed to register the smallest amount of possession any team has managed in any Premier League game this season, um, with with a brilliant twenty four percent. And I think even that probably flatters us because we just didn't hold on to a ball whatsoever. I was trying to count the passes. I think I got to three. Um, so we we just we were just hoofing the ball clear. Um, another wave of attacks and then getting rid of it. But at doing that, we did a very good job in in defending the lead. That we that we got through our only corner of the game and our only shot on target throughout the game. Um, so you know, a win is a win. Um, although Everton will be frustrated with their 34 shots at goal and zero goals entering the back of Ben Foster's net. Um, and we all we all said it to be honest. Pulis can have these games where he just, you know, you you least expecting a result, and you'll go and you'll manage to beat a team highly favourable um, with the bookies to to be getting a result that game. We were seven to one to to get a win, 
So if you'd have even stuck a you know a little bit of cash on, you'd have got a fair amount back on the uh, on the baggies the weekend. Um, personally, I, I enjoyed the game because it was my first time at Goodison Park, really old-fashioned football ground. Um, the Everton fans didn't make much of a noise, but we were quite vocal throughout and uh, enjoyed it. And the uh, it was good chatting to the Everton fans in the pub after the game. Um, how distraught they were that we'd, uh, we'd absolutely pulist them. Yeah, I'm sure that was very frustrating for them. Uh, fortunately for you guys, with that win, you are what appears to be eight points clear of the relegation zone. I'm yeah. assuming that you're not really feeling any pressure there. No. Um, however, a defeat yesterday would have meant there'd have been a slight bit of pressure. But, but you know, I think... Um, I think as the the season chugs on, we'll we'll do what we've been doing most of the season: losing and drawing about four or five, and then winning two on the bounce, and then repeating that. Um, and if we do that, then we should be we should be fine. Um, it's imperative that we uh, that we stay up this season, and um, I think there's going to be a right scrap down there as the season draws to a close. Uh, yeah, and, and quickly for Tottenham, I don't have a whole bunch of stats for you because our <laughs> match pretty much just ended, um, but obviously a very exciting result. Uh, Danny Rose really stood out as a player that had a tremendous match. Um, started off fairly innocuous for the first I don't know, 30 minutes or so, uh, just a whole bunch of shifting. We had the majority of play, then they had the majority of play. They were trapped in their half, we were trapped in our half. Um, and then fortunately for us, uh, Kane gets a penalty there, um, which was a lot. A lot of people are contentious, and, and I was talking to Safe about it. And we were saying it's it's time for me to whip out the old standby of you can't put yourself in that situation where he spun with his elbow out and then it hit it, you know. And and was it probably soft? Did it look like it hit his back first? Yes, but as always, and I've said this when it's hurt myself, whether whether it's hurt Tottenham or Netherlands that you just can't put yourself in that situation. And he did. The penalty was given. Harry Kane took it. Still uh, hasn't missed one this season after Townsend, funnily enough, was our main penalty taker last season. Soldado two years ago. Uh, so Kane has been very confident from the spot. I think that's 16 goals for him now. I think he was on 15 coming into this. <clears throat> so very pleased for him. Uh, then... You know, as soon as they brought on Ihea Nacho, we also brought on Tommy Carroll, which I was not a particular fan of at the time. Um, then very shortly thereafter, Ihea Nacho does get their equalizer. Then they really were, were applying the pressure and applying it well. Um, David Silva was moving the ball well, as he usually does. Uh, but Alderweireld contained Aguero very well throughout this match. Kevin Vimmer, again, you don't really talk about him much because he's just doing his job. He doesn't do anything really with flair by any stretch. But when the ball's near him, he clears it, and he tends to get in the way of the attacker's run. So uh, does everything you'd expect from him there. So, like I said, at 1-1, it looked like they were going to turn it around. They scored in the 74th minute. It looked like they were really pushing for a second. And then uh, kind of out of nowhere, uh, after we had brought in Eric Lamela, we get just... The, the play just kind of opened up. Lamela doesn't have anybody to, to mark him. So he's just in loads of space and plays through Erickson, who does a, a quick little uh, feint. And then Joe Hart goes to ground, and then Erickson just taps it under him. And all of a sudden, it's 2-1. I don't really, really remember much after that because I was running around and screaming my face off. <laughs> but um, 
obviously just a, a terrific, terrific win for us. Hugo Lloris with a late save. Uh, and where that puts us is second place again uh, above Arsenal on goal difference. And, you know, after that match that happened earlier, we were a little concerned about what that meant for our result. Obviously, the United and West Ham results go our way as well, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But it's absolutely incredible that we're still two points off top with Leicester dropping points to Arsenal. So, you know, people keep asking if it's time to start having the title conversation. I'm I'm not ready for that. My heart, my heart can't take that. Uh, more pressing concern is what we're going to do against Fiorentina on Thursday, where coming into the season, we expected the FA Cup to be our best route to Champions League football. We assumed, you know, that same kind of fifth to seventh place in the table. Hopefully we'd make a run in the Europa League, hopefully make a run in the FA Cup. We are in both the FA Cup and Europa League still. But now is that where the attention should be? Because currently have a 10-point gap on fifth. Um, So now it looks like Champions League, our best bet is Premier League. So are we going to run out kind of a B-side against Fiorentina? I don't know. I do think Kyungman's son will get the start up front in that one. Give Harry Kane a bit of a rest and then start him again against Crystal Palace, I guess, in the FA Cup next weekend. Or this weekend, I suppose. Um, But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we address all of that. Uh, obviously Pochettino asked what he thinks about the title race and he's just saying, you know, we have, we just, <laughs> all the sports cliches, take it one match at a time. There are 11 guys on the pitch, 110% effort, etc. Uh, there was a quote floating around that hasn't been attributed, but, uh, <laughs> somebody asked if, uh, a concern for Tottenham is that we don't have winners in the team. And then they said, we don't have winners, we have warriors willing to do anything to win, which, before we started recording, Dan pointed out means, uh, probably just means we have winners in the team. Uh, not players that have won, but players that will win. And, to be fair, that's not really accurate, because obviously our uh, Ajax trio of Alderweireld and Eriksen and Vertonghen won plenty at uh, Ajax in the Netherlands at that time. So, uh, we do have people that are experienced in those situations, obviously Hugo Lloris with France has had a lot of those big moments as well. Uh, and and hopefully uh, we can continue. Some people saying maybe our youth will end up being a problem. I could see that maybe making a few mental errors, but the, the great thing about this team is that we're not too heavily reliant on anyone, save for maybe Kane and, and Lloris, where anytime somebody's struggling, somebody else is stepping up. And I, I think that that diversity of both effort and uh, form will really be what keeps us in this area till the end of the season. Okay, um, so it is just me and Dan, so we were like, what should we do? So we're just going to run through the matches and talk about them and, and the impact that it has on the league. Um, so I guess we'll start off with Sunderland versus Manchester United, which was the first match of the weekend. Sunderland obviously pulling the stunner, if you want to call it that. Manchester United have been dropping points to a lot of random people, but Sunderland obviously were in the relegation zone. End up with a 2-1 win at home. First time that they've beaten Manchester United at the Stadium of Light. Uh, Yeah, it was just a very uh, surprising but impressive performance. I was particularly uh, really shocked by how great... uh, I'm not even going to try his name. Kazri? I'm going to stick with the last name. (laughs) Um, He looked like, and I I said this off air, uh, a a budget version of Dimitri Payet. Not to invite that comparison and make a very lazy one because they both came from France. But he just kind of has that touch of class that nobody else on that side really shows. Uh, did, did you get to watch this one? 
Yeah, well, I've I've seen I've seen all of the games from from the week. I've mm. well, I've, I've seen I've seen the highlights from all the games. Um, you know, I just I do wonder who's going to be in the bottom three come the end of the season mm. because they all seem to be picking up the odd decent result and then not backing it up. But I think Sunderland they've, they've had a few tough fixtures of late, and I think out of all of them, I think that they might, they might be the ones that could just pull away. I think Newcastle might be the ones that, that suffer come the end of the season. But, you know, they've, they've got quality throughout the side. And, and when you're looking for a goal, there's no one better is there than, than having Jermaine Defoe in your team. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> Jermaine Defoe can uh, cause a lot of problems for people. And, yeah, I, I've all season said that I had Sunderland in my bottom group because the first half of the season I had to cover them for work. And uh, it was dreadful. It was just really bad. But, you know, Kazri has... The first goal and Lamina Kone, their other signing, has quote unquote the second goal ends up being attributed as an own goal. But um they do they do look a lot better. I was concerned that, you know, again, not to get into this that the Adam Johnson stuff may cause controversy, but they just cut bait. Um and so they aren't gonna deal with that anymore, obviously. I think Jermaine Lenz still has to get into this team. I know that he isn't necessarily the hardest working player, but he just has again kind of a touch of class that they may need further on, but this result in particular does make me think, you know, they're staying up. And I agree. Will that cost Newcastle their spot up in the Premier League? I, I mean, they're currently level with Norwich, who have been awful uh, for large swaths of the season. Away, yeah, yeah they, they just haven't been great. Um, but they're level on points in Newcastle with the negative 22 goal difference, which is obviously uh, not what you'd want to see if, if you're a team down there. I have a good feeling about Swansea. I think they'll be all right. I also like Bournemouth. It it feels to me like this is now the bottom four. And and who's going to be the ones to dig themselves out of it? So right right now, if you had to peg one of these teams to go down, it would be? Um, Newcastle. Yeah, I know, right? They spent the most in all of Europe in January. Yeah, but that doesn't always that doesn't always I know. guarantee your success. I think if if you look at the if you look at the games that Newcastle have recently been involved with, they've had some really tough fixtures. They've played yourself, Spurs. Um, they drew with Bournemouth, but then they've just they've just played Manchester City, Liverpool, and Manchester United and got four points. Mm. So if, if you look at their upcoming games, West Ham, Palace, Southampton, Everton, Newcastle, West Bromwich Albion, Leicester, Norwich. They're not meeting really any of the big boys until the last few weeks of the season. Mm. Um, personally, I think that Sunderland um, might well have it in them. And plus, it's a great away day at the stadium, alike, so we don't want to miss out on that next season. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I kept feeling like it was time for them to go, but I guess uh, we'll consolidate that into Aston Villa, yeah? All right, well, <laughs> I was going to go linearly, but we may as well just uh, skip around. Uh, let's jump down to uh, Aston Villa, who today lost 6-0. As an Albion fan, what was your take on that? Um, it was a good watch, to be honest. Um, I'm not I'm not particularly the biggest of um, fans when it comes to Liverpool, but of course, if, if they're playing Aston Villa, there's only one team I want to win. Um, and I just think they got absolutely played off the park. Um and once, once the, I think once the second and third, I think especially the third in the second half, they just they lost all will to even want to win the game. It was just a pathetic showing from them. Um, they're just clearly lacking in ability, and the players that have got ability, 
are young, they're rough around the edges, and they're not going to be good enough unless they're playing with quality, experienced players, which they haven't got. And the one that they have got in Lescott and, and at Bonlahor, they're just, I think, Lescott's really not able to, to manage um, nowadays at the back. He's, um, his legs have gone, as, as we'd say. Um, and at Bonlahor, he looks absolutely fat. He needs to lay off the pies a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I would I would be saying this about any team if if they're at the bottom. To be honest, not just because Rock Villa are our rivals, but they're just they're just a bit rubbish. And, and Liverpool, six different scorers today. They they played well, but they didn't. They weren't superb. You know, Did you they, feel like they were celebrating a bit too much. Um, I, I saw some well, of the celebrations. I was like. Really, running into the fans for your yeah, goal against we'll Villa? Let, yeah, we'll let them. We'll let them celebrate that. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to complain. Um, but they do like a bit of an over celebration, doesn't Liverpool? But <laughs> that's something for another episode, I'm sure. Yeah, this is where yeah. I'd usually take a jab at Arsenal for their fourth place trophy celebrations. Um, <laughs> but we may have to do that this year, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to dig myself that hole now. Yeah. Um, well, all right. Uh, well. Uh, I guess the big question for them is obviously Remy Gard came out and said um, that he wasn't supported during the transfer window and you know rumors coming out that he may quit there. Do you think he manages them down in the championship next year? I'll take a punt and say that something happens this week. Interesting. Then, yeah, because... Bring uh, Tim back, right? <laughs> no, well, pff, do you know what? But uh, <laughs> as bad as it sounds, I don't think they'd be in this mess still. Maybe... But, I'm not sure. I just think the whole club was set up to fail with their They absolutely in. would have brought in Townsend if Sherwood was still their man. Poss- possibly he would have done, yeah. And possibly they might have got Adebayor over the line in, in January, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I just I just feel that they've shot themselves in the foot. They have been spending big money. Um, and then Villa fans will say they haven't spent as much money recently. But they've spent lower sums of money on players that they want to build up and create into to good players. They'll get one every now and then again, but, but they're sold quickly because Villa haven't got the league position or the standing in the Premier League anymore to compete with the big boys. So when they do get a player like Fabian Delph, then he, he's moving on to bigger and better things. The same with Ben Teke, you know. Um, I just I just think they've, they've really struggled the last few years and I think it's about time that they, um, that they uh, dropped into the championship and all their fans can enjoy some, some away trips to some of the more lovelier parts of the country. <laughs> and some actual wins. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, uh, well, next up on the docket, Bournemouth versus Stoke. Uh, I was kind of surprised by this one because it was kind of different forms coming in. Obviously, Bournemouth have really started to impress lately. Uh, obviously, it looked like they were going down for the majority of the first half of the season, uh, but have really kind of picked themselves up. I liked a lot of their their January signings. I don't know why a Turbe is not mattering there. It's very strange. It's it's kind of like when um uh oh crap, who did Watford sign a Barbo, and everyone yeah, was like, oh he's gonna be a huge difference maker, and they just never sniff the pitch. I don't really know what that's all about, but I, I really like the Benica Fobe signing. I know a lot of people thought they spent too much, but I thought it, that one was good. Yeah, Graben, they paid way too much money for, but Elphick's supposed to be back soon, and and so things are things are looking up. Max Gradell may be back 
in mid-March. So yeah, I like I like He's a very good player. He's a really good player at Leeds. Yeah, and everybody likes Eddie Howe, right? Is there a person that doesn't like Eddie Howe? That's what I mean. They've just got well, he's young and he's English. So what? What's he got to <laughs> like? There's not enough good English talent in the top flight of English football. Um, so it is good to see a manager doing well. And it's also good, you know, they've, they've, they've had a great success story coming from where they've come from. And they've got, now got a chairman that's willing to back back them. And, you know, I think, I don't think it matters because people are saying that they've sort of brought their way into the Premier League. Um, but when you're a club of Bournemouth standing within the footballing world, you know, it, it, whatever happens, however you get there, it's a success story. And we've seen many a times owners take over of clubs and fail. So what's wrong with with an owner taking over a club and taking it to his heart and, and doing really well with it? I don't don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's when owners start doing stupid things that that, that you know that fans get sick of um, sick of what they're doing. So good luck to them, and I think um, they, they might well be like here to stay. I can remember when um, Fulham were really struggling, um, similar size club. They were in the, what what's the equivalent of now of, of League One and. They had Mohamed Al Fayed take over, um, and they went up into what's now the Championship, and then up into the Premier League, and they were a mainstay of Premier League football for maybe ten or twelve years. Um, and Bournemouth might be the next club that's able to just, you know, be a steady Premier League survivor. And you know, I think there's, you know, for for a group of fans that have witnessed, well, they've never really witnessed top flight football. It's 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 brilliant. It's what dreams are made of, really. So uh, you know. I hope they keep up the success and do well. As do I. What do you make of Stoke? I thought they were kind of the winners in the transfer window, bringing in Mbula, who had struggled a bit in Portugal, but obviously was doing incredible things in France, which is why it was so highly touted. They paid a lot of money for him, though. Hmm? They've paid a lot of money for him. They have. I I do like Stoke. They fell away recently, but it it does go to show the, the strength that we've got in the Premier League. Um, but I think I think Stoke will be fine. It'll be like a tenth or eleventh place finish. Um, they've, they've no chance got, of them really pushing up. I mean, they have a lot I don't of attacking think talent. So there. no, no. I, I think. Well, I mean, there's every the defense has been what's been letting them down lately, which is a bit of a surprise. There's every chance that they will, yeah. But I mean, I think Chelsea are going to be starting to come back into things in terms of probably the top half and. Like Chelsea, um, Everton, Liverpool, maybe all. Yeah, I think it, it might be a bit of a maybe. And you and maybe, Palace are right, are right in that group. Mm, oh, well, you can discount us. Maybe <laughs> Palace might pick up again, but I'm not sure about the baggies. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the Premier League as a whole this year has been absolutely ridiculous in terms of teams beating teams that you wouldn't expect. Been it's been a, a, a betting person's nightmare, um, as I found out. On many occasions this season. <laughs> All right, uh, Crystal Palace versus Watford. Crystal Palace dropped points again. They have one point in their last six matches. They are bottom of the form table. It's so the bad. Last, the last North, eight right? form table puts them bottom mm. with two draws and six defeats. So that's yeah, obviously I, not ideal. They bring in Adebayor, who does score a, a lovely looped header in this one. They're still waiting on Balassi to come back. Where do you think they finish the season? Similar to the, similar to what I say about Stoke, really. Yeah, I think, I think if, if you look at the top group of teams, you know, you, you've got Leicester are going to be in the top four. You know, Southampton are almost up there with the big boys. 
West Ham and Liverpool behind. It's between, I think, you know, Watford, Stoke, Everton, Palace, um, Chelsea are looking at maybe the seventh, eighth, ninth spot finishes at, at best. Um, and Palace are very capable of doing that. I don't think there's any immediate panic. Their odds, their odds to go down have have gone from something like hundred to one to like twenty something to one in recent weeks because of their bad form. But there's no way they'll be in a relegation battle at the end of the season. Mm. And on the other side is a, a team that's never been linked to the relegation battle this season, which is somewhat rare for recently promoted teams in Watford who I've been very impressed with. I really like Kike Sanchez Flores. I like a lot of the stuff he's doing. I hate playing them because they're kind of petulant. But um, Ikalo, obviously very good. Dini gets a, a brace in this one, scoring both yeah. of their goals. He's obviously able to play at this level. They made a really good signing in Mario Suarez. I think they came out against us a little too defensively last week. Um, playing Suarez next to Capu is just, it felt a little overkill. <laughs> um and then they didn't even particularly defend that well. Um, but very impressed by what Watford have been doing uh, and, and in this match as well. Well, if, if, you, if you look at Watford, um, I remember writing a, a, an article for, for Jay's website, The Eagles Beak, before the season started, um, predicting where each team will finish. And it's just a surefire way of making yourself look like an absolute idiot come the end of the season. <laughs> that you and know, transfer grades. Yeah, oh, well, I didn't even try that. But if, if you look at Watford, I thought, you know, they've signed an absolute, they've signed an absolute plethora of players, haven't they, in the summer? Like, was it 10, 10 different players they've signed? Yeah, at least uh, a certain host here didn't say that they might be doing a QPR. That yeah, would have been embarrassing. <laughs> but no, but I pretty much said that with the amount of players that have signed and the lack of man- managerial stability with the amount of managers that they've had, in and out in the recent seasons, I I really thought that they would struggle to find any kind of form. But when you've got players like I mean, just just how good have they been really? You know, it, it's just hard to put your finger on and the success where it's coming from. Obviously, the manager's done superbly, um, but you know they're, they're sticking goals away and they're doing all right. So I mean, I can't. You don't look at Watford and look at them the same way as you do like a Leicester, as you know, super brilliant footballers doing doing tremendous things at a team that you know they're just sort of plodding along, aren't they? But I mean, um, Igalo has just been astounding. Um, Troy Dean, he was a local lad, he's, he's from the Birmingham area. Um, you know, he's had lots of troubles in the past. He's been in prison just a few years back. Um, and if you hear him talk on, on the on the interviews following matches, he's like he's like a what what would be a changed man. He's just he seems to have such a such a great footballing brain on him and he speaks really well after a game and he's it's good, it's a success story, you know, he's he's done well for himself. Um but if if you look I've got a list up here now of, of players that have signed in the summer. It's absolutely ridiculous. And some of them have barely even... I mean, they signed Matteo Vidra from Udinese <laughs> on a permanent. Yeah. And he's gone back out on loan into the Championship. You know, uh, we haven't seen... Some of the players, we haven't seen a huge deal of. Capu, has been very good for them as well. Capu, I, I, yeah, I yeah. Know. You know, but, but I think I think that just goes to show with, with the money that's in the league. 
players' heads can be turned. And there isn't really a team in the league that hasn't got a player of enormous quality. You know, I think you can look at any team in the Premier League and say that player could almost play for any team in the league. You know, one of the top four teams. There's, there's players like that throughout the league, even at the um, at the clubs towards the bottom of the league. You've you've still got some really good talented players, and you know. It's a, it's a strong Premier League. Uh, don't need to talk about Everton West Brom because we already talked about how West Brom won and it was the greatest win of all time. Yeah, Albion in one word, determined <laughs> not to lose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm assuming you stick with Pulis to the end of the year. Then are you looking elsewhere? Yeah, that's the plan. Mm. Um, Moyes? No, that's like you might as well keep Pulis. I think as much as as much as I'd like to What about someone like Roberto Martinez? Because he doesn't have a ton of defensive talent. That's a lie. Seamus Coleman, Leighton Baines, and John Stone should can, be able can to you, Can you imagine if Martinez was to rock up a training at the, at the Baggies training ground following the absolutely soul-destroying defensive training sessions they'd been put under under Tony Pulis? <laughs> the players would probably all... I don't know what they'd do. They'd probably... I, I don't know. It'd probably skip, be a bit too much. Skip for an him. hour and then have a TV yeah. appearance. Can Can you imagine? They'd be so excited to be playing passing, attractive, attractive attacking football. We wouldn't know was it, but uh, I think. Dude, I, I, since we're still talking West Brom Everton, I don't see how it's possible that that Martinez doesn't lose his job at the end of the year, considering the talented core they have there, the fact that they're still buried, you know, eleventh in the league. That in that just has to be yeah. unacceptable. It's because they cannot defend a lead. At all. Yeah. No, they really do struggle when it comes to being able to keep a ball out of the net. Um, and I mean, it's not as if it's not as if they haven't got decent defensively minded players. You've got Gareth Barry, who's always been a great player in terms of mopping things up. Yeah, and They've McCarthy, got... who we chased real hard. Well, yeah, and then on top of that, you've got supposedly the next big thing, the next John Terry in in Stones. And they've also still got Phil Jagielka. You know, they, they've got a decent setup at the back, but they're just... They can't do it. Yeah, I think, I think maybe it literally is that they just... For me, the goal they conceded against us was just lack of concentration, just the basics, you know. Then again, it was Jonas Olsen and he's like a man mountain and it was a great goal. If the goal had been attributed to him, which you and I were saying probably should have been, yeah, his two been. goals would have both happened in Liverpool against Liverpool and Everton away. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We do like um, we do like Jonas Olsen. He's not the most mobile of players. Hmm. Um, in terms of Lescott and Olsen, if you'd have asked me in July which player I'd have preferred to keep, it would have been Lescott all day. But I think Villa's league position... Um, has proven that Pulis made the right decision. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we can talk a little bit about Norwich versus West Ham. West Ham is a side that I was starting to be a little afraid of because it looked like Manchester United were falling off the pace. And so I was thinking West Ham were the next contenders there, lurking in sixth. Maybe they were going to start pushing up the table. They will go down 2 0. It'll feel like a win. 2 2 draw. What what have you made of Slavin Bilic's West Ham side? I know that in the beginning of the season you were very frustrated that they pissed away a chance for the Europa League. They did piss away a chance at the Europa League, but you know, 
it's tough because you might you might well say that Bilic was right to a degree in terms of the Premier League and how they've gone about it. Would they have been able to do that in Europe while whilst playing a first team in Europe as well? Especially for a team that's over the years not really been used to European football. You've got to admire him, you know, Payet is is probably outside of the teams that are doing ever so well in terms of like maybe the top four or five teams. If you're looking for one player that you want to sign, then then it'd have to be Dimitri Payet, and he's just gone and signed a a new contract, which of course means not a lot nowadays. But you know, um, it means that he's supposedly going to be at West Ham for a long term instead of China, where everyone's <laughs> going right now. Today, Obafemi Martins just signed a deal with the not not even going to try it. <laughs> I think the media outlets are doing the same thing. I, yeah, it's just he's gone to China, whichever club in China. You don't know which one. Don't pretend you do. Just one of those. I do, I do wonder why all these Chinese clubs are... I mean, I'm not sure of the financial, financial situation in China, but I think the idea was to get a couple of them on board and then there'll be a few that follows because then, you know, they're guaranteed to be playing against a few decent footballers at least. So maybe the quality of the league in China is going to be increased tenfold, and over the next few years, we might see a fair few uh, a fair few players making the move over to um, play in Asia. But yeah, it's 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 got to be a big culture shock for these players moving to China. It's not going to be like playing in England. Um, How many of them do you think? Like, what do you think the shelf life is for these players in China? Like a season, maybe two seasons? Well, if you look at historically, what Anelka lasted six months, Drogba lasted less than that. Mm. Um, I don't think that it's. It might well be sustainable if you can get a lot of players over, but then, you know, it's it's been able to do that. But if they're offering big money, players, as as you all know, you know, you're you're not going to get who. Some of the players that have gone over, at least a couple, Kev, that have gone over recently. Uh, yeah, we got Paulinho that went over from us. Uh, Paulinho, yeah. Uh, I mean. And then, uh, wait, did Falco actually end up doing it, or did he end up staying? There's talks sure. about him going over there. But, but you're not going to get any of these players okay. come out in the media and say, oh, it's been my dream to play for Guangzhou. Blah, oh, and the, the big one was um, <laughs> the guy that Liverpool were chasing. Uh, yes, yes. Al um, from Shakhtar Donetsk. Wait, is Alex Teixeira the one they already have? Is the other Teixeira? I don't remember. A Teixeira moved to China. Wow, we're just killing it with these details. <laughs> no, no, but but I think I think the point is, you know, it, it's it, it is it is just pure pure money involved, and players nowadays are going to be thinking about their financial situation for themselves and their family. By the way, I did nail it. It was Alex Teixeira. Uh, yeah. I know that a lot of times in the past few years when we've come on the show, we, we talk about everything that's kind of wrong with the modern era of football. Is it not a little encouraging that clubs like Leicester and to a lesser extent Tottenham are in the top two having both had fairly positive uh, kind of spend differences where Tottenham have spent very little money in the grand scheme because of how much we've gotten in return? So our net spend is very low. Leicester haven't necessarily bought their way to their position. Well, they haven't, no, have they? I was, I was talking just a little bit of a side story. I'm not going to get too, too sidetracked. But Feel free. <laughs> talking, talking to a Leicester fan, and the, the thing that could potentially have been the catalyst towards them winning the league this season is Nigel Pearson's son being a racist. 
and doing that stupid. <laughs> you, you can Google it if you want. Google Nigel Pearson's son racist, and you'll get everything you need to know as to to what it what happened. And and that strange situation, which many believe has led to Nigel Pearson then losing his job, has led to him getting Ranieri in, who whom I predicted again. In my preseason article, Leicester would go down, <laughs> which yeah, was I absolutely <laughs> that was a majestic um, prediction. Uh, you know, I said that Ranieri would was lack the care or the ability to do any good at Leicester City. He's been like, you know, he's a he'll have a statue built of him after the end of his season, no doubt. You know, because they are going to finish in a Champions League place, aren't they? So. <sighs> Wow, what a, what a story! But I mean, um, yeah. What what were we talking about before I started going off on one? Ken? China, <laughs> China. All <laughs> uh, um, oh, right, that, that uh, for once we don't have to complain about overspending. I mean, a lot of clubs have spent a lot, but that you know the clubs that have risen up were I think yeah, Leicester, I think who have a terrific the, the scouting is, team. Every club is spending because every club's got money. True. Um. The bigger clubs will always spend Who's Leicester's most expensive player right now? Like in terms of valuation, Conte maybe. I think he cost maybe. Did he cost maybe about eight million? Go Caninla. It's killing me. Go Caninla. Yeah. Yeah, but if you think if 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 you look at Leicester's team at the minute, um, it's not it's not a a team with massive names that have cost a lot of money, is it? Mm, Nope. They've got they've got Casper Schmeichel and Gold, who was like from Leeds United. Uh, free transfer. Danny uh, Simpson, who gets the red card. Well, Danny Simpson, nobody really was that fussed about taking him on. You know, he's always been a player that you know, who potentially clearly had a little bit of ability, but it's not really a player that many people have stood up and, and took notice with. I, I just think that Ranieri's just got them believing in themselves. The, the fact that they can just go and win games, you know. Um, if if you watched Angolo and Kante today, um, Angolo Kante today, he was just absolutely was phenomenal. Like I know they've lost the game today, and they went down to ten men. Wrongfully went down to ten men. Without going down to ten men, they would have at least got a point, I think. But but Kante, he loses the ball, and then all of a sudden he's like thirty meters away, winning it back. I've got no idea. He's, he's like a spring chicken. And then when he gets the ball, he uses it so, so well. Same with Danny Drinkwater. He, get, he gets on the ball and he just picks out the nearest man to him every single time. Nothing stupid. But if you look at Leicester when they counter-attack, it's hardly rocket science, you know. They're not, they're not playing glitzy balls across the field. They're playing just decent, neat football and moving up the field and then giving it to one of Mares and Vardy, who are destroying teams with their absolute clinical finishing you know it, it is it's it's what you know it's not it's it's the ideal way of playing football it's almost the the guard guardiola win the ball as high up as you can and and then keep the ball you know and, and try and score goals from that and make sure that you don't allow the opposition to get too deep into your half they're always on the front foot looking to win the ball back, always closing down men. And they've still got men to, to cover and to back up. And, you know, I, I just find that every time I get to talk about football, we get men to how great Leicester have been this season. But they, they have been superb. Mm. Yeah, fully, full, obviously fully deserving of where they are because after 26 match weeks, for them to still be there, 
uh, is just absolutely incredible. Um, so yeah, that was obviously very impressive performance from them. I mean, yeah, although you know, losing two one, it was one of the most weirdly like honorable two one losses. Like you felt like they should have gotten more. What what was your take on the whole uh, Vardy situation on him creating the contact? Because the difference is that when you dive, there's no contact. He made sure there was contact, but you know you have um, um, Nacho Monreal no. sticking his leg out there. What what was your view on that? You see, I, it's hard to argue that it wasn't a penalty. But then it's hard to argue that it was a definite penalty. You know, it was... I'm, I'm one for footballers that try to get on with the game. If they're dragged down in front of, the, you know, in front of goal and they're going to score, give the penalty. I'm not one who likes this whole idea of players winning penalties, as you'd say. I think that a player should naturally play the game. And if they took out, then they took out. It's quite clear that Vardy, his natural, the, the, his touch and the movement of his body would have been going to the right. And he's forced himself into the player. Clever, smart, wins a penalty. It's not, it's not against the rules of football. But for me, I, I, I just want to see honest footballers. But, you know... Asking for that is, is it's never, you know, you're never going to know whether players are being 100% honest or when it comes down to it, all you want to do is win football matches and being a, a bit of a, you know, a footballer myself, playing, playing, you know, amateur football and you, you just, you do, you get onto the pitch and you do feel like you would do anything to win. Um, whether you'd go and cheat, maybe if it was a big enough game. Yeah. So, it was a penalty, but you know I'm not the biggest fan of players running into other players to win them. You should always be trying to play the game of football. Yeah, obviously uh, Arsenal then go the other end late in the match, get the winner off of a re- really stupid foul by Vasilevsky. Wasilewski? That guy, man. Killing it with the pronunciations today. <laughs> um, but then it comes off Danny Welbeck's head. Puts them into second place temporarily before Tottenham dismantled Manchester City. What, what do you, where do you think Arsenal finished this season? Do you think they're more in the title winning group? Do you think they're more in that second to fourth group? <laughs> you know, I can't... so hard to pick them out, right? You see, people are today, after Leicester have lost, following you know, playing a long period of time with 10 men at the Emirates with an Arsenal team that are clearly very good. You know, Leicester didn't really deserve to lose that game. People have already been like, well, there we go, the title, the title's twisted and Arsenal are going to go and do it now, blah, blah, blah. But are they discounting the previous 25 games that Leicester have been involved in? And do they think that Leicester all of a sudden are going to take a nosedive because... Everybody will be wrong if, if that's if that's the case and people think that something's going to go wrong, then I think that the prediction might well be wrong. And I think that Leicester is just, of course, they're in the title race. They're two points clear still. If they'd have gone, if they'd have gone to the Emirates today and won on the back of losing to Man City last week, can you imagine? People would be raving about Leicester and they'd still be in the same position there. Yeah, so that's an excellent you, point. So you've just got to, you know, it's one game and people are so reactive. 
you've, you've got to realise Leicester are there where they are out of playing some amazing football this season and they could well still win the league. I, it, it, predicting, you could, you know, anything could happen. This is a crazy, crazy season. Man United might put a run together and Arsenal might go on to blow a load of games coming forward and it could all twist around again. Mm. Man City aren't out of it just yet. And and Spurs, who quietly been been going out of business, the media have suddenly just gone, Oh look, Spurs oh, they're in second. They're now. doing well, huh? <laughs> <laughs> whether that's a good thing for Spurs, whether that allows them to go under a radar as much and do what they've been doing, who knows? But I just can't call it. And it's really exciting. It's good to have a season where it's exciting at the top as it is down the bottom, because it's usually towards the end of a season. Um, like Chelsea, you made it up by 10 points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's been a fantastic um, Premier League campaign. And yeah, you mentioned there um, the, that any of these teams really could go on a run. Let me just read you some upcoming matches. Mm-hmm. So Leicester have Norwich, Albion, Watford, Newcastle and Palace. Over the next five. Five, five, five games that are, they will you have be to view as winnable in, yeah, for Leicester, yeah. right? Arsenal over that period. United, Swansea, Tottenham, West Brom, and Everton. So United, Spurs, Everton, all teams that can attack them. West Brom, obviously a team that will probably set up to defend and can get a clean sheet on their day, as they proved today. Then, then after those matches, then it's Watford and West Ham. This is not an easy run. That, you see, that's what I mean. And do you know what? Like, there will be people stating, um, as as I've seen today, that even even experienced pundits are like, "Oh, is it over now for Leicester?" I'm just. It is, they have they have it, nine winnable matches. Exactly the immediacy of what everybody keep. You know, it, it's how it is now and. It's what gets the viewers in because they'll raise questions when emotions are raw and fans from particular teams are unhappy or extremely elated, such as yourself today. <laughs> I mean, Spurs are... But, no, I'm not, I'm not even going to jokingly say that we're going to win the league. I'm, I'm honestly not there yet. But Good, because do you know what? I, and there's, there's probably only one set of fans that you could probably say uh, almost in a position now where they're, you know, they're going to be absolutely devastated if they don't win the league. And that's Arsenal. Yeah. And that's because, that's because the... This is the window. It's it's their opportunity after failing so much over... I mean, I'm not going to be around the bush. Arsenal, the last 10 years, have failed. They've not won a thing, really. And then, of course, the last couple of years back they've done well and they've back to, won the back-to-back FA Cups. That's, that's great. You know, FA Cups are a great trophy and everybody wants to win it. But, you know, I think for Arsenal's... I think for Arsene Wenger to finish his career as a success, he's going to have to win the league with Arsenal. And the problem is they are just still... They are the same team that can just lose a match like that. Like, that, you know, they, they can play... They did it at the Hawthorns earlier this season. They can just bottle it and just lose a couple of matches. You're not expecting them to. And it'll it'll always let them down. Um, they haven't really got that kind of player like a Kante, like a Yaya Torre, you know, that, that mops up for them and does all the dirty work. I mean, of course, you've got Cochrane, who's decent. You've got Ramsey, who's a decent player. 
they're not for me. They're not league winning players. You know, I, I just it, Arsenal might well go on and win the league, but for Arsenal fans to be so expectant because they are quite expectant. You know, it is when when you, you hear Arsenal fans after a defeat, it's it's you know it's like the world's ended. And you can't afford to be wrapped, you know, you know, you need to get behind your team and, and have belief in the quality players that they've clearly got. Um and I just feel they might just come short. For me, I'm I'm just hoping and praying that Leicester go and do it because it it It'd would be a terrific be, story. It would it would be the the biggest success story in football probably since Montpellier won Liga um, a few years back. Yeah. Who are of a similar sort of size club and, and in, in in the equivalent league in France, you know, and it just goes to show that sometimes you can, of course, Leicester have got some fantastic players, but sometimes it's about team spirit, it's about togetherness, it's about having a manager that believes in you, it's about the fans getting behind the team, you know, it's all of those great things in football, and I think that's why everyone's behind Leicester City, because it's sort of, it's an old-fashioned they haven't really brought the team. It's just the togetherness of it all, and and it's great. It's it's great to see. You know, it's not it's not a purely manufactured team that goes and wins the Premier League because they are just simply the best team going, like Chelsea have done. Because they have got, in terms of, you know, in terms of having pure ability, they have to decide between Pedro, Willian, and Hazard every week. Exactly, that's why they're, they're a fantastic team. But it just shows that without the the other side to it, without the togetherness, without the belief, without because you know, with without a dressing room that's content, then your team teams are, are going to struggle. And I think I think for me, um, I'm not sure. I think I think Arsenal today there was a, a picture of them all in the dressing room celebrating. After the game on the Twitter, I'm not sure which one of the players took a picture, but for me, I think that's disrespectful. It's wrong. It gives the wrong. It gives the wrong message to opponents. You know, they're going and said. Ce- I mean, they're going and celebrating after winning one game. Mm. You know, you need the attitude of okay, we've won that one. Superb. It's gone now. Celebrate. Get it out of your system. I don't like this whole culture of taking selfies in the dressing room after the, if you've won the FA Cup or you've won the league, mm. crack on and do what you please, but but not a, it's the same with, with Klopp and his stupid raising the arms, jumping up and down bullshit when they played the Albion. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh we'll quickly uh address a couple last matches here. Uh Swansea versus Southampton. I didn't get to watch much of this match, unfortunately there were you know, it was during that slate where there are tons of matches on at the same time. 10 o'clock here. I think he said 3 o'clock over there. Um, but Southampton winning this one. It, Swansea looked like they were turning things around, but Southampton's defense has just been impregnable ever since Fraser Forster's come back. Yeah. He's done absolutely terrifically for them since his return. They've climbed very quietly up to sixth, which, by yeah. the way, is what everybody thought Liverpool and Everton were going to do at some point. Um, Southampton then, have now crawled up one point behind United for fifth. Well, that's it. The table's so clogged up, isn't it? You know, any team can put a run of two or three wins together and be near the top of the table. Yeah, it's six straight clean sheets for them blimey. now. Yeah, uh, if you, well, Fraser Forster's come back into it, and 
it just it does go to show what having a quality keeper does for for any team. Oh my gosh, I saw somebody saying uh, if the transfer window goes differently for United and they do sell De Gea and don't buy Martial, where are they placed right now? Like 14th. They're they're in that group with Chelsea then. Yeah. I mean, assuming that Depay continues to struggle the way he has. I mean... And, and to be fair, they have had tons of injuries. But I, I actually think that whoever no, comes I, in no, after no, no, Van Gaal... I don't think I don't think any anybody any team can blame injuries because it comes you know in in the season as a manager that your football club at some point especially over Christmas period when there's loads of games that your team is going to get players that are going to get injured if you don't sign players that are good enough to back that up then that's that's your problem I think I think Louis Van Gaal over the last few years has absolutely blown some money. Man United are the biggest club in the world, probably apart from, you know, Bayern, Bayern um, <laughs> Barca and, and Real Madrid in terms of their name and who they can attract. They can go and sign who they like. And he's gone and signed players that are more like suited to, to various buddies, you know. He's gone and signed um, Depay. He didn't need to go and sign Depay. He didn't need to go and sign Danny Blind either, you know. You could argue that that in in Schweinsteiger they've got an absolutely brilliant player, but there's a there's a whole number of players that could have improved that side tenfold, and I just don't think that they've managed to pinpoint the right players for it. Um, yeah, they've, they've got some very good players, but it's not a Man United team with the quality of the days gone by. You look at like the Cantonars, the Giggses, Skulls, Roy Keane having a good backbone in your team. You know, as I mean, even De Gea has been making mistakes of late. Yeah. You know, I just I feel that, and and you know, that Darmian's been out injured again. You know, he's he's clearly a very good player. They just haven't got the players to back up that spine every single week. You now you, you're looking at United's bench. Who's that guy? All due respect, yeah, Love. Love came on. Who was Love? Yeah, I'm like not, who was Borthwick Jackson four weeks ago? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, and now he's and, in the side. But I think that this will actually benefit them in the years to come, whoever comes in after Louis van Gaal, because everybody talks about how the big sides aren't bringing through their youth players, and they're being forced to do it. But United are actually doing it. And, you know, three years from now, the likes of Borthwick Jackson and Jesse Lingard well, and those guys, yeah. they'll have this experience. Not, yeah, yeah it, could, it could well be of benefit to them in two or three years' time. Well, it just reminds me of, like, what happened to the Bundesliga when they lost a lot of sponsorship, and then they were yeah. forced to grow their own players, and now it's in, almost inarguably the most talented nation but, in football. But having having not signed the best players, I mean, just you've just got to look around world football. Players that might have been available in the summer, you know, to, to go and grab that could change a game in an instant. I mean, there's no doubt that some team might well have been able to get Ibrahimic. If you look at PSG, Lucas Moura, would be a fantastic signing for any That's team so in the Prem- in the Premier League. I, I absolutely love Lucas Moore. I love watching him. You know, I just don't think they've gone out. They've spent a lot of money on players. But I mean, they've spent thirty eight. Was it thirty eight million on Martial? Uh, right now, depending on bonuses and stuff, it can rise to pick a publication, and you'll have a different number. See, no, all well and good. And he's he's shown some flashes of absolute brilliance, but he's nowhere near the end product 
and nowhere near the player that you need leading United every single week. But he's weirdly one of the only players actually doing things for them. Although Absolutely. we didn't need to jump back into United because we need to wrap this up. Swansea yeah. were uh, obviously disappointed, did not do well. I like the Pulaski signing. Sigurdsson looks like he's finally back on form. You think that they're safe? New manager, things go wrong. Couple of losing, couple of games where they they slip up. And they're in the middle they're of on. a very tough run. I think they have Arsenal yeah, and Tottenham. That's it. I think up. I think anyone's so because there's a group isn't they're all the way down to 14th. We've got similar points, and I think there's like a four or five point gap in there to Bournemouth and Swansea. And I think any of those teams could could go. Um, Swansea, you know, I think they'd have been fine if they'd have kept Monk. Yeah, so do I. But, yeah. you know, the, I think either he said it or somebody said it about him. Just, you can't lose seven straight and keep a job in, in the current market. So, anyway, <clears throat> I hope Swansea do do well. And then the last ma- match we're going to touch on quickly here, Chelsea 5-1 versus Newcastle. A resurgence for Chelsea or just a very poor Newcastle side? No. To be fair, their defending was woeful. Look, Newcastle put one past the Albion the other week and we were absolutely atrocious. Mm. Um, I think Chelsea, on paper, have got a fantastic team and, and it's going to click from sometimes, you know. So I think that it was uh, it was a fair result and you know, I think Newcastle, as I've said, are going to struggle and it, it could well be uh, it could well be that the season they, they get relegated. Um and if you're talking about managers that should have gone. Player you know, and like... Nope. Yeah, you, if you're going to put Monk in the bracket that should, should, have, should have gone, then McLaren should have gone after 10 games, you know. <laughs> oh, that's all I'm going to say on it. He's just a strange bloke. <laughs> Fair enough. And yeah, Chelsea do look like they'll, they'll push up the table, but I really think, you know, even Europa League might be a bit of a, a stretch for them at this point. But, you know, you never know. They rattle off the right amount of results. Anything's really possible. Okay, so that's it for our rundown because we kind of jumped around a bit, already touched on Arsenal, Liverpool, and the Tottenham City match. Uh, so just quickly, one player that impressed for you for the Albion this week? Oh, you put me on the spot there. I, I would say Claudio Jakob was um, all over the place. Superb performance from him. Um, and apparently McLean was giving the Everton fans a bit of stick at the end of the game. Because I didn't like our time wasting tactics, so. <laughs> we'll we, we'll go from a clean because we like we like uh, we like the riling people up as well. <laughs> um, and a, a player to uh, a player to purposely avoid. avoid a player to turn off the TV when they show yeah. his face um, would be you know what, I'm going to say Roberto Martinez mm. for for not managing to break down a team that was clearly intent on doing one thing and defending. He didn't have the imagination to go out there and beat us. And he tried to use the excuses of after the game, why, you know, teams shouldn't play this way, blah, blah, blah. And, and do you know what? I agree with him to a point. Teams shouldn't play that way. But do you know what? He has. And as a Premier League manager, your job you is that. You're, you're paid to go out there and deal with, with that. Yeah. And, you know, if you can't beat a very poor, in terms of attacking-wise team in, in West Bromwich Albion, then, then you, you know... You deserve everything that's coming to you, and, and like like you've mentioned, Martinez does need to watch out for his for his job in the coming weeks if he fails to take Everton, you know, more towards the top five or six teams. Yeah, 
Uh, for Tottenham, I already mentioned Danny Rose had an incredible game. Um, really wish uh, he had gotten a goal or something because it tends to go that uh, kind of some of the less uh, attention-oriented people uh, need goals to confirm whether a player had a good match or not. But Danny Rose had an excellent match going forward and back. And uh, Kyle Walker may or may not have misjudged um, Sterling's run for the Ihe Nacho goal, but uh, I thought he did fairly well as well. Uh, Kevin Vimmer, again, just just stone above average. <laughs> nothing more, nothing less. You don't talk about his name till the match is over, and you're like, oh, wait, he had a good game again. Uh, man, hard to pick a player that disappointed. Um, I'm going to say Tommy Carroll. He just doesn't do much for me. He just doesn't. I think it's very important that we get Bentaleb to feeling like he's part of this unit because if he doesn't, I, I could fairly easily see him going in the summer, which I think would be a big loss for us as a as a club. All right, uh, out of time. So if you have, uh, I don't I know. I just need to add something. Yeah. Just something that's come out while we've been on the pod. Um, Jolien Lescott has tweeted this. Um, I don't know if I don't know if you've noticed, mm. um, but his account at following Villa's ridiculous performance today. He tweeted a picture of like a fast car. Um, I'm not sure what time, and I think the fans took it as I don't give a toss. I, you know, I, I've got fast cars. Blah blah blah. You, you, do you know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. you know, almost having a dig at the fans, saying I don't care, my mm-hmm. lifestyle's fine. Um, a lot of fans have been having a right dig at Lescott for it. So he's come out and he's gone. I'm not I'm not one for tweeting after games, whether it's a good, bad or indifferent result. But I'd like to apologise for performance today. Personally and collectively, Liverpool were better than us. That doesn't excuse mine and a team's lack of commitment for 90 minutes. Again, apologies to all the fans. And then he comes out with at the end of his tweet, which is like a, a screenshot of something because he obviously... Twitter a lot of characters yeah. to, type, to type for two sentences but um, I would like to add that the tweet sent out from my account involving a picture of a car was totally accidental and it happened whilst driving and my phone was in my pocket <laughs> the classic it wasn't me defence <laughs> oh absolutely fantastic yeah wow. of course it was Julian Agent Lescott that's what we call him <laughs> oh because he's undermining them love it yeah <laughs> All right, uh, where can the folks reach you? Um, they can reach me at Baggy's Facts, um, and they can follow the goings on for Premier League um, for the piece that I write for uh, the Eagles Beat, which is a Crystal Palace centred website. But my articles are about the Premier League in general, so I write it as if as if you know anyone can go and read them. So go and check them out if if you uh, if you've got a spare five or ten minutes and you're extremely bored. <laughs> Don't sell yourself uh, too high there, man. I am <laughs> <laughs> uh, also over on theeaglespeak.com where you can find uh, fantasy articles for me each week. Uh, also, playtaga.com. I am Kevin DeVries at Kevroff on Twitter. You can also hear me on Tuesdays on All on Sports Talk doing a Premier League review show. Not too dissimilar from what you just heard. Whoops. Um, and uh, obviously do the FPL Roundtable show, which is up Thursdays. This show, which is out Fridays and Mondays. And uh, this week I should be doing an extra thing over on the Eagles Beacon preparation for uh, the Tottenham versus Crystal Palace FA Cup match, which inevitably will be won by Emmanuel Adebayor. So be sure to look out for that. All right, thanks so much, Dan, for just kind of riffing it with me here for an hour. Uh, thank You've been you. my Valentine's Day, Kev. How'd you feel? Aww. <laughs> <laughs>
Yep. Thanks again for joining me, Dan. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Mm-hmm.